Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. I'm here today with Chris Lonsball and Andrew Kelly. Uh, and we are getting into 1 Samuel 15. Uh, we're kind of like catching Saul here in his spiral. Uh, God's going to kind of like turn away from Saul's kingship at this point. So as we read through this this section, what did what stuck out to you guys as we were reading over it? I mean, one thing I definitely see in this whole narrative is just repeated incidences of Saul's insecurity. Um, I mean, we've seen this before, too, in, you know, that he was hiding among the luggage and uh, he wasn't overly confident. But there's just some interesting phrases that you see. You see Saul building a monument to himself. Uh, that's probably a good timeless truth for us all, that if we build a monument to ourselves, it's not a good sign. Um, it's a good way to know you're in the wrong spot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> statues to yourself, probably not the best way to go. Um, we've got him, you know, basically blaming the people at different times for his disobedience. We've got him trying to look good in the eyes of people saying, Samuel, just, just come with me. So the people know that you're still with me. And just, you kind of just see, I, I love the way you described it, Ryan, of this downward spiral, uh, just going from being anointed king to quickly, uh, descending into where we see him lose the kingship, uh, that Samuel says it's going to be taken from you. So it's not physically taken yet, but there is that statement that it's, it's going to be departing. There is another. One of the, like, I know Saul does a lot of crazy things across his reign, but the, one of the things that gets my attention is where they're, they're definitely told to destroy the Amalekites, uh, the Amalekites, I guess. Um, but they, they, keep everything that's nice for themselves. They're like, okay, let's just go ahead and kill everything that's not nice. Everything that is nice and the king we'll keep for ourselves. It was like a garage sale or something. Yeah, like. it's kind of weird. And then when Samuel shows up, he's like, yeah, we did it. We did exactly what you said. And Samuel's like, literally, I mean, I think he can probably actually see that that's not true. So you get this picture of Saul standing there being like, yep, we followed the Lord. And like, literally like the sheep are still there. Like the King's right there. And Samuel's like, what are you talking about? It almost seems like a sitcom sketch or something. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's very comical to actually think about this happening. Cause Samuel's response is like, really, what's that? I hear it sounds like sheep. <laughs> oh, those. Oh, that's the people's fault. They wanted to keep those or yeah, we, those we were going to sacrifice. Yeah. It's uh it's not the picture of obedience. He even puts a little bit of a spiritual spin on it, doesn't he? Yeah. He like, hey, to... we, we keep the best stuff. We wanted to give that to this the is, Lord. This is going to be for sacrifice. Yeah. And, and which is, which is massive. I think that's one of those things that like, that, that what is more pleasing to the Lord, your, your burnt offerings or, or your obedience. And that's, that's one of those things that like, like there's, there's a, I feel like th that gets me wondering what was really going on in in Saul's heart, mm -hmm. because because I mean I feel like that that I can see that mirror, you know, obviously kind of like pointed pointed back at that certain things. What's really going on in my heart if I'm deciding to kind of well, like like disobey or com compromise on something that I know God has said, yeah, and. Um, and when, when all along God's like, I, I want the full thing. I want your full heart. I want your, and well, anyway, that, that makes me wonder what's going on mm -hmm. in Saul's heart. And there's probably some element, like, as we've been seeing this insecurity in him, like he's looking at his guys that have just gone and done this, whether some of them actually suggested, Hey, maybe we could actually keep a few of these or whether he just looked at them and thought, 
they're going to like me if I let them have let some them of keep this. all that nice stuff. Yeah, like you can kind of see how kind of quickly we can just redefine what. Well, I think this will be okay. Yeah, uh, and just how compromise takes those small little steps towards something far greater than you never really realized you were going to be in this bad place. And we definitely see that right after this, uh, Samuel goes and anoints David as king. And so this, we start to see this begin to play out that the kingdom is being removed from Saul for these reasons. And, and later we're going to see even bigger reasons why it gets taken away from him. And David is going to be the one who's chosen. And this is not a simple open and shut situation. Like, okay, the kingdom is Saul's, now it's David's. There's going to be like a lot of things that play out. Years it's, and years. It's going to be a bit. But one of, the, one of the lines that I appreciate in this is that the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, mm. but the Lord looks at the heart. I really appreciate that one too. Yeah. I mean, I have to... Give us some more for, context. For us. those of you that might not realize, if you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm a little vertically challenged. And so all my life, people said, you're like David. And I'm like, so am I a good leader or are you just saying I'm short? You're saying you're not like... Saul was described as head and shoulders above everybody. That's a really Saul's great... big. The, the couple early brothers are described as being big. And well, David, don't, I mean, don't look on the exterior. So It's a fantastic Christian compliment. Yes. It never says, <laughs> it never says that David is short explicitly, but I, I think he probably was a little shorter than, than his brothers at least. So anyway. It's kind of like if somebody says you have a face for, well, modern times podcast. Maybe we have faces have a, for podcasts. You have a face for podcasts. So. Thank you. So at the end of this reading, we get uh, just a little bit of a, a thing to look ahead to, to this David and Goliath situation. That's probably one of the biggest stories that people hear from the Bible often, I would think. Um, we're going to get into that and dig a little bit deeper into that tomorrow. So you'll catch a little bit of this at the end of the reading, but we'll dig into this mostly tomorrow. So we'll see you again tomorrow. All right. See ya. Bye. First Samuel chapter 15. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telem. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites. Move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you show kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everything else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything in fact that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear, Samuel demanded. It is true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle. 
Saul admitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think of little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The, God, the Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel t turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and they went back with him. And Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring King, King Agag to me. Agag arrived full of hope, for he thought, Surely the worst is over, and I have been spared. But Samuel said, As your sword has killed the sons of many mothers, now your mother will be childless. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel went home to Rabbah, and Saul returned to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him, and the Lord was sorry that he had ever made Saul king of Israel. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil. Go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did what the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Aminadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one that the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? 
There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he is out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went with Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Socha in Judah and Azekah in Ephrath's Damim. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on the opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He asked. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimeah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. 
David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.